Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. go did did i step through one of the doors is this there's nothing here there's no one here did i i can't feel my feet touching the ground anymore i can't find my face with my hands i can't see my hands it's not cold and there's no cave i'm not dressed, but I'm not naked anymore either. It's all just empty. Hello? Can anyone hear me? Can anyone help me get out of here? Can anyone help me get back home? One thing is for sure. I should have never opened all of them. All of the five doors. I should have picked one. It's like I was being pulled apart. From all sides, invisible hands came. The fingers sinking into my flesh, ripping away my shell. Like a fruit peel finally coming off. Now, there's only an essence. The body is gone. The cave and the cooling cell are gone. I'm not cold or naked. There is nothing. No, wait, it's, it's not empty. It only seems that way. I'm starting to understand now. There isn't nothing. Quite the opposite. Everything is here. Everything is available to me here. I wasn't looking in any direction. I wasn't focusing on a single counterpoint in one timeline. And thus it felt like there was nothing. But this is all of time waiting for me to choose a moment. If I move, if I focus, I can use the black canvas to see an event of life. I can see myself stepping into the shower this morning. I can see myself taking a shower and then tripping into another tunnel of time. No, it's, it's not tripping. Someone did this to me. Someone or something pulled me out of the shower out of my life with Leah and brought me somewhere else. 
We traded places. He took my place in the shower, and I went where he came from, into a cooling cell. I'm standing in the dark and I'm cold. There's bones everywhere. And it seems like someone else took my place. I can see him. He looks like me. He's with my wife now. They're sitting in the living room together, talking. He looks like me, but he's not. I see the cooling cell for what it is. It's a vector space created by someone that can swim through time, like I can now. Someone built this space as a safe, steady platform. A place to put people after ripping them out of their timeline. I can see who's standing on the other side of the door. I can see who the man with the weird voice was. The one telling me to pick a door. He's the being that pulled me out of my timeline. He's the one who locked me into that cooling cell. I come a bit closer to be able to see who or what he is and... Whoa, is that... Is that the creeper? I come even closer. It's definitely the creeper. It's the weird guy that used to pull up at BBU and just stand there for a while. Every week. Every Tuesday. Kim and I used to make fun of him. And I used to dream about him. I used to dream about him holding a severed hand. The fingers spread wide apart, as if pointing in five different directions at once. He knows more, this creeper. He can help me. And I can find him. Easily. On Tuesday at 10.09, he'll be at the Corvat BBU parking lot. That's when he showed up. Always. Every week. I can just go to one of those moments. I can swim there with one stroke because I have all moments available to me now. I focus my attention and immediately find the white car. It's standing still when I find it. It's parked. But I can make it move. I can make the events slip into motion. And I can drive to the BBU parking lot where the creeper is standing like every week. He looks different from all of the other people I see. He's not a human. He's a traveler, like I am now. All the people around him are part of the world, part of the fabric of time. But he's dangling, barely attached. He's in many places at once. I understand now that the Creeper only visited BBU one Tuesday. But because of his relationship with time, he shows up every Tuesday. 
For as long as there's a BBU, he'll be there once a week. But also all the centuries after that, when the parking lot is a desert again, or a river, or a housing project, he'll be showing up there like a ghost. When the restaurant's been plundered, an empty ruin of capitalism surrounded by forest, he will be there. He's linked to that place forever because one moment to him is every moment. I dive towards the creeper, hoping to get answers. I dive towards Corvat, towards the BBU, the parking lot and the white car. Tuesday, 10.09. I see my younger self and Kim sitting there having lunch. We look like we're having fun. I dive and the moment my feet hit the tarmac, I return to a physical shape, a more steady form. But I'm not sleeper. I'm, I'm not myself. It's exactly 10.09 and I'm holding a brown paper bag. I'm leaning against the white car and I can see BBU. I turn to my right, and there's the younger me and Kim underneath the large neon sign. The two of them are staring at me. They look scared. They look at me like I'm a creepy stranger. I am the creeper. Maybe I was the creeper all along. I can feel my face being stretched out like his. My eyes unnaturally close together, like two circles meeting. Apparently, this is what you become if you bounce back and forth through time. I should have known this was coming. The whole, it was you from the future thing? I know this plot point. I've seen it so many times before. It was me showing up every week at that parking lot, scaring Kim and myself. It was me locking myself up in that cooling cell and talking to myself through the door. It was me trying to prevent myself from exactly this, from what has happened again and again. I didn't have the guts to make a choice. I tried to open all the doors instead of choosing one. I tried to find a way around it, around choice and consequence. And that way, I continued the cycle. This life is a stray, as a homeless being without a linear timeline to call his own. A creature that avoided any path the point where time itself became like a slippery floor to its feet. Uh, yeah, a uh, sleeper here. Sorry for interrupting the story, but I need help. I mean, that's obvious by now, right? I need gas money, so I never have to steal food from a diner and get wrapped up with a drug lord again. And if you're like, hey, let's help this guy leave Corvat, please go to leavingcorvat.com. I added a donate button, which is shameless, I know, but 
Desperate times call for desperate measures. Or maybe you haven't checked out Temple of Sleep yet. It's worth the money. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I get back in the beat-up white car and start it. I'm going to drive off the BBU parking lot. There's nothing for me to do here. I was hoping to get some answers from the guy who talked to me from behind the cooling cell door. But that guy is me. I drive towards the ramp to the main road, and I try not to look at myself and Kim, but I can't resist. For some reason, the pull is too strong. I can see the figure in my peripheral, and I know it's me from four years ago. I know it's Sleeper right before Kim will ask me to come with her. I know that the guy standing underneath the neon sign is about to make a choice that will haunt him every night from that moment. So, I can't resist looking at him. And when I do, I see almost everything. I see the web of possibilities being spun. While I drive past him, time seems to slow down, and I can stare at my younger self for an infinity. Corvat disappears around him, and I see every path. I see myself ignoring Kim's call to adventure, staying in Corvat, meeting Leah, becoming restaurant manager and having two kids. I'm kind of happy, but I'm forever wondering what could have been. I'm forever spending my nights looking for her. I see myself quitting my job, but not working up the courage to leave town and follow her. I stay and do nothing. I stand still until I drown in alcohol. I see myself following Kim, but not being honest about my feelings for her. We grow apart, and she moves out of the city to start a family with someone else. I see all possibilities all conceivable paths, even the most ludicrous ones, the most unlikely ones. I see myself regretting not joining Kim and selling her out to her dad. So I steal my boss's car to follow her, but while I drive off, my boss transforms into an actual crow and starts chasing me. One town over, I try to hide, but almost get swallowed by a Venus flytrap in the shape of a house. What is your name, young man? I lose all my stuff, the last of my money. In a desperate attempt to keep going, I see myself making a deal with a very dangerous man. 
carry the mark now, sleeper. As I watch myself travel, I feel the power that I have. I can reach into the timeline and help. I can intervene in little ways. So I start guiding him, or myself. I start leaving little crumbs to motivate him to keep going. After Sleeper finds his backpack again, I make sure his phone doesn't work. Because I've seen what happens if he tries to call Kim. She doesn't have her cell anymore. Her dad grabbed it. And by calling him, everything gets worse. When Sleeper almost gets stuck in a town full of slime, a place where a man named Jonathan is the only remaining soul, I can see that something dangerous is being dispatched. The gardener is sending his number one soldier after Sleeper. I can see the soldier as he starts searching for his target. The soldier scares me. I mean, to the naked human eye, it's a man sitting in a truck. He looks like an accountant in his big suit, with his big glasses and his briefcase. But this isn't an accountant. This is the most dangerous thing I've ever seen. So I send a group of people to block the road, to stall that soldier. They materialize as men in hazmat suits with white vans that get stuck on the road. But they're not men. They're my arms, folding around the town like the arms of a mother around her baby to protect Sleeper from what's coming. Thanks to the men in hazmat suits, Sleeper can create some distance and hide. I can see Sleeper at a party in the middle of a forest. He's making a friend. Or he thinks he's making a friend. But this person works for the gardener. They put something in Sleeper's drink. I can see him passing out at the tree line. Meanwhile, the gardener's soldier is approaching. He's catching up. Fast. I have to get Sleeper out of that forest, away from that party before the soldier arrives. So I turn my gaze away from my younger self standing underneath the neon sign at the BBU parking lot. I let the moment come out of suspension and drive away from Corvat and into the forest where the party is. Sleeper is scared of me because he doesn't realize I'm helping him. So I have to chase him through the forest and drag his body back to my car. The soldier is very close now, so I have to be quick about this. I create a safe space, a platform that hovers above time in the shape of a cooling cell, and I put Sleeper there. It's the only place this soldier can't get to. I put Sleeper in there, and close the door. Uh, I've made a big mistake. I've started something I can't undo, it appears. I was so scared of that being in the pickup truck, the one chasing me, that soldier. I was so scared and so confused by my new abilities that I moved too fast. It was all instinct. 
Now that I take a beat, I'm not sure what to do. Now that I have sleeper safe, outside of time, outside of choice, the question is, how do I get him back to his own life? How do I get him back to a linear timeline? Every time I save myself from that soldier and bring myself to the cooling cell, I never get sleeper back to a linear timeline. I know now that there are five escape hatches, and I know he has to pick for it to work. He has to pick one, but he never does. He always tries to get out of the choice, to find a way around it. He keeps opening all the doors, and none of them. He keeps becoming the creeper, who in turn saves the sleeper, who becomes the creeper. How do I stop this cycle I've started? I try to talk to him from behind the cooling cell door. I try opening the door and facing him. I try to tell him everything that's happened truthfully. I try telling him nothing and waiting. I try to lie and I try to scare him. Endless iterations, endless attempts, but nothing works. It's the same every time. I just end up here, talking to myself about courage, trying to convince myself to go out and live a life, not worry about what won't be, Embrace one thing that could be, and go after it, whatever the risk. But I never do. I just stand there and sleep. I just wait for the beep and flip the meat. I just let it all pass by. I think something's different. I think I may have done it. Changed the narrative. I just pulled another sleeper out of his timeline. And something seems... different. New. This time, after putting him in the cooling cell, I tried telling sleeper about the future of the world. I peered hundreds and hundreds of years into the future and told him what I saw. A world divided into islands after a climate disaster. Tribal people called Naraka roaming one of those islands, living according to age-old traditions and symbolic rituals and rites, holding on to the way things were before because they thought change to be dangerous. They thought innovation was something that could bring the world back to disaster. I don't know why I chose this story exactly, I hoped it would put his choice into perspective. It was kind of a hunch. And all of a sudden, he picked a door. Just like that. Door number four. I don't know if it's the right one, but at least he picked one. Maybe that's the whole point of this, to choose and just go for it. 
I wasn't even paying attention. I was just assuming he would continue the cycle. But just like that, the story changed. Just like that, he's continuing his journey to Naraka City, still trying to find Kim for real, like he set out to do. He went on a road trip with a woman, Leah, the wife of another version of himself. And now they're looking for Kim together to try and move on. Now, let's follow him and make sure he doesn't change his mind. Let's make sure the gardener soldier doesn't catch up, the one in the pickup truck. Let's go and make sure that whatever happens, he doesn't turn back. Wait, wait, wait. This is it? This is the cliffhanger? No, 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 no. I've been... Okay, okay, wait. I've been listening to the first couple of episodes this second season, and to be honest, you're pushing it. Right now, whoever is writing this stuff, I mean, a podcast is meant as something you listen to while doing something else, right? Like commute or the dishes so i can only pay that much attention and i really liked the first season and at the end when he had to pick a door i was like okay okay interesting where does he end up and then there's an alternative timeline okay fine i get the whole metaphor about choices you make in life but now you're pushing it i'm lost so someone has to help me out hey i can help who are you I'm also a big fan of the show, and I haven't had any trouble following along so far. It's a bit of a challenging storyline, but I get it. Okay, congratulations on being smarter than me, so Mr. Smartbrain, break it down for me, please. Because (laughs) I'm not re-listening. All right, relax. So, there's two versions of Sleeper, right? One that we've been following so far, and one that lives a couple years in the future with his wife, Leah. Our sleeper steps through a door and travels forward in time a couple years later to another version of himself. He trades places with this other sleeper. This sleeper ends up in the cooling cell and doesn't have the balls to pick a door without knowing what's on the other side. So he tries to duck the responsibility of the decision. He opens all of them and gets ripped out of space-time and turns into the creeper. Sleeper is the Creeper. So, the Creeper that we've seen in Season 1 is the version of the Sleeper that has a wife, Leah. And every time he tries to help another Sleeper pick one door, he just turns into the Creeper again, who tries to find a Sleeper that does have the balls to make a choice in his life. So basically, the Creeper is an embodiment of all Sleeper's missed opportunities, bundled into one being, that doesn't get to pick one timeline anymore. Right? Okay. Basically, all we have to remember is the Creeper is a manifestation of all the sleepers that never got out of Corvat. A little pretentious, but I get it. Now, back to our sleeper. That's a unique guy because he did pick one door. And now he's in the future in an alternative timeline where he has a house and a wife. And he doesn't know how to get back to his own timeline. So he decides to continue his journey toward Naraka and Kim. He just keeps going. He sticks to his decision and moves forward. Basically, we're still following a guy trying to get a girl. Okay. And just like the lizard brain was a literal voice to a figurative part of Sleeper's mind, the Creeper is an embodiment of all his regret hunting him or... 
guiding himself as much as past experiences can guide you. Okay, uh, that's cool. I, I, I get it now. Thanks. So we can keep going? Yeah, I'm just not a fan of overly meta storytelling. No, it should never get too meta, I agree. Thanks for explaining. No problem. Beep. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Dark Heights. In a small California town, three people become the targets of an ancient evil. After a series of horrifying events, their lives collide, and if they aren't prepared, it's unlikely they'll survive. This series is perfect for fans of Twin Peaks and Sharp Objects, with a heavy dose of the supernatural. Dark Heights is a new show from Realm, the studio that brought you the very show you're listening to now. And it's not for the faint of heart. In the words of Den of Geek, be careful of those shadows. Dark Heights is out now and available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to listen and follow the show for weekly episode drops. <laughs>